ending sermon formula that you have five times in Matthew when Jesus had finished. Black, black, black. Um, so, but I don't know whether we ought to see 23 as starting with the sermon or 24. There's a little narrative thing at the beginning of 24, so I can see that either way. But, but perhaps this fifth and final big sermon of Jesus in Matthew starts in 23. That's at least a possibility. And so, would somebody read 23 verses 1 to 4? Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. So, Jesus talks about the contrast between what the scribes and Pharisees taught and practiced. They seat themselves in the chair of Moses like they have authority. And what does Jesus tell the people to do? Observe what they say. But not what they do. Yes, because they don't do what they say. You know, they taught some good things, but they didn't practice them. And they found ways to, like, get around all the rules they had invented. And even what God says, they find ways around. So, so he's saying, you know, um, they, they, like, impose lots of very complicated and rigid rules on people all these traditions, all these legalistic requirements, but they figure out ways out of them. They don't have to do them themselves. They just impose them on everyone else. You know, so that's what he sees in them. Um, it's certainly not a very good attitude for them. Comments and thoughts? The chair of Moses is uh, just a figurative, in other words, like you're sitting on the throne. Yeah, like Moses as the lawgiver, I think they're seated as if they were the, you know, law interpreters or whatever. You know, kind of Moses servants to, you know, enforce the law. Five through twelve. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man on your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So what's he getting at here? Their motives? And we're all equal under God. But they're trying to not be equal. Why? What were they wanting? <laughs> Praise of men. Yeah. They wanted glory. They wanted respect. They wanted people to look up to them. They wanted to be prominent. So what things did they do to try to show themselves off? They wore big 
boxes on their foreheads? Yeah, <laughs> scripture boxes. You know, assuming that Deuteronomy 6 and other passages when he said bind them on your, with his commands on their forehead, that they were supposed to do that literally. And they'd make big boxes. So they'd look really spiritual. They were supposed to do that literally? Well, I'm saying God said to write these on your forehead. They took that as meaning literally and put it in a box and stuck it on their forehead. I'm not at all sure that's what the Lord intended. <laughs> but that's what they got out of it. So the bigger your box, the more righteous you are because the more scriptures you've got in it. Well, you're at least humble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't hold your head up. Yeah. Did everybody do that? I, I, well, Was that no, but the Pharisees were given to that. They probably painted them in glow-in-the-dark paint or something. I don't know. You know, you got to let your light shine, you know. So. But they wanted that honor. They wanted to look the part. You know, they wanted the, the, the style of dress and, you know, phylactery that, that would impress people. What else did they do to show that they liked attention? Long tassels. Yes. And what else? What did that signify? Yeah, wait. God said to wear the tassels on their garments. Anybody remember where that is? Is it? Uh... Right hand, I can't tell you, and I don't know what it signified. It's in Deut Deuteronomy somewhere, as well as other places. Six eight or eleven eighteen? Maybe so. I have footnotes there. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's something that says to put the tassels on, but I can't remember what I've had. Because they were blue tassels and. It, it, it wasn't for the priests, it was for everybody. Yeah, I mm -hmm. thought maybe it was something like, you're a nation of priests now, so all of you can have tassels. Yeah. Even on those lines. I don't you can look it up, Mom. You have a laptop. I want to look it up. Um, like, do you go to a Bible right. program? Num numbers 1538. Numbers 1538. Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and that they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, so as to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you played the harlot, in order that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. All right. What verse was that? Deut uh, Numbers 15:38 and following. And Deuteronomy. It's got the same. Yeah. So they made their tassels long. You know, they wanted to stand out. They wanted everybody to know how godly they were. And, it, and they want the places of honor. They wanted to draw attention to themselves. They were hungering for prominence. They wanted to be noticed. And, and what about starting in verse 7, what do they like? To be called rabbi. Yes, they want even titles of honor. You know, don't call me Joe, call me 
you know, doctor, you know, whatever. Dr. Spock? No, I was thinking of doctor, like that's it. Yeah, or, 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 you know, some other term that shows, you know, I'm really important. Some people get offended if you don't use whatever title they've chosen to elevate them. You know, you're not respecting the office or whatever. Illustrious potentate. <laughs> yeah. Grand Poobah or something yeah. that way. <laughs> I don't know what's potentate mean. Well, like a powerful person. person. Yeah. yeah. Like a ruler. Yeah, you haven't heard of potentate? I haven't, I never knew it. Yeah, I just remember it in a funny song. So. <laughs> Pumbaa reminds me of Pumbaa. <laughs> a powerful Pumbaa. So, what's the lesson for us in this? Wear short tassels? <laughs> Cut your tassel. I know, I was thinking about it that some of this just seems kind of ridiculous and like I would never do something like that. But I wonder like if we were, we actually lived then and had the opportunities, like would that be a temptation? Like, Well, or would we? Now, you know, I understand that the culture's different and so our means of trying to do our deeds to be noticed by men might be different. But do we ever try to do our deeds to be noticed by men? Do we ever try to seek, you know, attention and, you know, kind of be honored by people? What be ways we do that? I mean, you could, one thing that comes to mind is you know, you're wearing, if you decide to wear a little cross or something to, you know, mark yourself as a Christian and it's, Big and <laughs> Ronnie, Mr. Big. T could be wearing it without a problem or some, you know, hip hop, whatever. Yeah, that type of thing. Um, doing something that would, you know, just like throws it in people's face. Um, yes. It's probably more obvious for us to see it in other religions. You know, the priest always wears the collar. Yes. Out in public, anywhere, he always got the, so everybody knows, you know, he's the Catholic priest. And, you know, in the Vatican or whatever, they all wear robes and big turbans and whatever, hats and stuff like that. So you see those things. Yeah, certainly there's hierarchy in a lot of churches. There's this, you know, special important people that get special names and special glory and honor. Can we? I think with the today applications, we kind of stay in the clothing, but I don't think that's where it should stay. I think a lot of times in our minds, we're like, well, and around these people, I'm going to do this because they're going to think good of me. I'm going to do this reading, or I'm going to do this um, Bible study with them because they enjoy seeing me do that, and they would think highly of me. Or I'll mention God in this conversation because of that. But around other people, well, they enjoy other things, and I'm not going to bring up God because they won't think that's cool. But we need to flip that, and we, well, we need to be talking about God in all conversations. But we need to change our mindset to where we're talking about God because God is awesome, not because well they'll think I'm religious or righteous or more faithful than them. How many times do we try to even impress brethren? Uh, just uh, sometime this week, I got this text from a guy I talked to, I, somebody I've known a long time ago, hadn't been around him for a while, and he called and asked to to be able to talk to me. He, could, he said, okay, so for a while now, my service has not been sincere. 
I have lived purely out of selfishness and doing things just because I want to be seen or so that I could have more experience with teaching and such. You know, he later said, I've gained knowledge simply for the sake of gaining knowledge. I've not loved people as I should. Uh, and, and so forth and so on. Well, I mean, I appreciated his confession. I wonder how many people do what they do to get seen, to get noticed. Uh, he wasn't doing well spiritually, but he was trying to show that. And, uh, you know, he told me, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, just a couple days ago, he said, another good and persistent day today, I talked to two people who had called me out on my pride and apologized. You know, he'd, he'd had people seeing it, and he'd just been defensive with them. You know, I just think there's a lot of ways we can do things where we want attention or we want glory or we want respect, we want to be noticed. Does it offend you if somebody is recognizing certain people who've done something and you did the same thing and they didn't call your name? You know, you don't get the recognition. You know, I think for a lot of people, just thinking about what people are thinking about them is so important and people seek ways of making themselves look more impressive you know of, of showing off something that makes them look greater spiritually what do you think <clears throat> I think sometimes we use the word brother as a title like we never call each other brother so-and-so unless you know we're introducing someone who's going to preach <laughs> <laughs> and brother joe will preach for us yes. yeah as we can you know lots of things can become that i think for us yeah that, that would be i mean my what i think about that is it could be anything it doesn't have to be something it could be anything that you do and it turns into that if you if that's your heart Absolutely. Yeah, even the thing itself could be an okay thing, but if you're doing it wanting to be seen by men, you know, like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talked about, you know, things like fasting and praying and giving alms as things that could serve to glorify yourself, even though in themselves they're okay things. Good things. So that's, this is just really practical and, and thoughtful. And we just really have to start looking at our own lives and hearts and, and trying to figure out what our motive is and how much we're trying to gain attention or, you know, get people to look up to us. Well, how about uh, 13 to 15? I have a question. Okay, speak. Um, I guess part of, how literal is part of this? <laughs> um, I mean, I know of, I know of someone who, um, she worked in a dental office, she was a Christian, and one of the patients was like Rabbi Goldstein, and so she wouldn't call him Rabbi, she would very respectfully refer to him as Mr. Goldstein or whatever, 
And he said, no, no, call me rabbi. And she said, no, I can't. And she was referring to this. And I was just wondering how, how literal this is. I mean, if it's a, you know? <laughs> well, the main point of that is, wow, what an attitude. No, call me rabbi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if we ever do that, Shame on us. Um, I probably wouldn't call him rabbi either, but I... But that's what you just said. That's the angle he's addressing. Don't be called rabbi. In other words, don't be the one saying, call me rabbi. Exactly. He's, exactly. He's really not addressing the caller. Right. But the callee. That's exactly right. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either normally, but I don't know that that's necessarily... Especially when you recognize that he's no better than anybody else, you're not doing it to honor him. Right. I agree. That's not the point here. I would prefer not calling someone my teacher, which is what rabbi means, unless they were. Uh, but. Yeah, so then that's the other thing. Do you not use any of those words? I mean, if we took this all literally, then, you know, your dad couldn't be called father and. Your teacher at school couldn't be called Miss Teacher when you're. <laughs> <laughs> you can't follow the leader. And you better not name your kid Rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> For various reasons. <laughs> never call him. Could never call him. Yes. Uh, you, could, sounding name. you could nickname him Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> you could pronounce it Rabbi. Rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the point is not to give us a list of prohibited words. The point is not using a title to elevate men. I mean, Paul does say in 1 Corinthians 4, 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Paul is saying, I'm, I'm like your father. I mean, and he called various people his sons. And, and you know, John talked about, you know, no greater joy than having his, uh, you know, uh, seeing his children walk in truth and things like that. So it's not even the idea of somebody having a father-son relationship or somebody being a teacher. You know, it's, it's, it's wanting these titles of honor. That's the thing, you know, so, so are you using this? I mean, no, call me rabbi. Well, what's wrong with Joe? You know, I mean, that's your name. Why would you need to be called some special title unless you want to be set apart and lifted up above the others? We've really got to watch just the desire to have that glory and attention. You know, do we do certain things to get that? I know this is probably a little bit off the subject, maybe not totally. Um, years ago, I was in a congregation and uh, one of the men in the congregation bawled me out uh, because he said, you know, you, he didn't agree with what I wore when I was preaching. Now, I was wearing suits and ties at the time, but they weren't very high quality. He said, he said, I learned in the military, if you're going to lead the people, you're gonna, if you're going to be above the people, you've got to dress above the people. 
He said, you dress like you're just one of the boys. I said, well, I am. That's why I dress that way. You know, and, and, and the idea that, no, we want to elevate ourselves. You know, if you're going to be above the people, you've got to dress above. Well, that's probably true. You know, if you're going to be above them, you're going to have to act like it. But that's the point. We're not supposed to have this above class or act like it. But they did. They liked that kind of honor. In Sarah's scenario, does it matter that the guy wanted to be called that? <laughs> it would annoy me, but that's probably just another. So, I mean, that wouldn't... I would change whether not or not want you would. to because of that, and that might not be the right attitude. That's what I'm asking, is that... I don't know. Uh, you could always quote it and say, well, the greatest among you shall be your servant, Rabbi. <laughs> 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 now go fetch my... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might even want that to make the person think. So, but I'm not, I don't know exactly what to say about, you know, those things. And though I, I don't think it's the point of the passage. All right, now 13 to 15. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow others who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour a widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers, and therefore you receive a greater condemnation. Did you say through 15 Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel along around on a sea and land to make one proselyte and when he becomes one you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves do you get the idea jesus was not overly impressed with the scribes and pharisees <laughs> yeah i mean he says you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people you don't enter it yourselves and you don't allow allow those who are entering to go in you know you are hindering the people who want to find the lord you're closing the door of the kingdom. You're not leaders, you're misleaders. You know, you're just trying to turn people away from God by what you teach and do. You know, you think about Peter in, in chapter 16 receiving the keys of the kingdom to open the door for men. Well, these people are trying to shut it. And you can be like that with misleading teaching. Um, with with trying to turn people away from the truth and from what Jesus really is and says. Uh, 14 is probably an interpolation, a, a verse added in some manuscripts. But 15, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. You know, they were just eager to, to gain another backer for their party. They were enthusiastic about that, but they sure didn't help the ones they saved. You know, they just deluded them and, and led them down the wrong path. So really he's condemning the Pharisees for 
hurting other people in their effort to seek the Lord and find Him. <coughs> Comments and thoughts? They had the position and opportunity to be more damaging than those that were just Gentiles or out, you know, or idol worshippers or whatever, trying to lead people away. That is true. Yeah. So was this like three sects of the of the Pharisees, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the hypocrites? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Did that include the Sadducees? Well, not in this statement, but. And what are scribes? I mean, aren't they Pharisees? I don't know if all of them had to be. Probably most of them were. But he's singling them out because they obviously should have known. Yeah. The law of having being the writers of it, the rewriters. And, and you know, it seems fairly typical for those who are the most active and religious to be most self-righteous. And you know, sometimes people know the Bible well enough they can really pervert things and twist them around and mislead people. Here's a note on the scribes. Uh, scribes who belonged mainly to the party of the Pharisees functioned as members of a highly honored profession. They were professional students and defenders of the law, both scriptural and traditional, gathering around them pupils who they instructed in the law. They were also referred to as lawyers because they were entrusted with the administration of the law as judges in the Sanhedrin. For what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Very good. So when we, uh, when we make a proselyte, when we convert somebody, do we really win them to Christ? Or do we hurt them more than we've helped them? You know, I think they probably were looking for, for people to convert to Pharisee, you know, ideas and whatever. And uh, I think we can do the same thing. We can have party spirit. We can just try to get personal converts. You know, one over to our side in some church, some church conflict or whatever. Uh, you know, they weren't helping their converts. They were misleading them badly enough that they were causing them to be lost. You know, so isn't that sad to have them, you know, looking everywhere trying to find somebody to convert and make them even worse? And, I mean, I, I've read this in the past that, it, that it's a matter of making those proselytes even more zealous than they are to do the same kind of conversion uh, of others. I mean, you know. I hadn't thought I'll, about that. But I'll, so. I'll go 100 miles, but now I've been, you know, I've converted this guy, and he'll go 200 miles to, you know, win somebody new. Or mm. He's twice as <clears throat> bad in that sense. Mm. Okay. Come I heard a quote um, or somebody saying something, I'm not sure who it was or exactly the wording of it, but it was something like, are we out there to win people to Christ or are we out there to win to be people in the Church of Christ? And we got people who are coming to be in the Church of Christ who aren't serving Christ but are serving the Church of Christ. And I think that's something to definitely watch. Amen. I agree 100%. Other thoughts? 16 to 22. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? 
And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering upon it, he is obligated. You blind man, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And he who swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. What were these guys doing? Swearing. <laughs> doing what? I said swearing. Swearing. How were they swearing? By the gold of the temple. Yeah, what was that enabling them to do? They swear by the temple they can get out of it. Yeah. They had all these little secrets, little <laughs> tricks. Oh, I just swore by this. I didn't swear by that. I promise. Yeah. Yeah, did you ever... Is this still current, crossing your fingers? No. Uh, did you, you cross your fingers behind no your back is. while you're making I mean, a I've promise it's not that, real? But yeah, but you don't do that anymore. We did that on the playground at school. If you had your fingers crossed... But then if you had two sets of fingers crossed, it canceled it out. <laughs> but then your toes could have been crossed. Yeah, or your legs. And, you know, whether you could do this or not. <laughs> which obviously I can't anymore, but... Yeah. Wow. Cross this? Your, cross your fingers. Yeah, crossing all of them. Yes, that. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, what, what was this really for? What was their point behind this? To not have to do what they said. Exactly. To lie and get by with it. Because they didn't swear by the gold in the temple or whatever. And so they are finding ways to get out of their commitment to keep their word. How does the Lord look at all this? He's not real happy with oath breakers. Yeah, you got to keep it no matter how you worded it. But that, he doesn't really even address that. He's more, in this situation... Pointing out their well, hypocrisy and their idiocy by <laughs> swearing by the, the wrong thing. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, just the whole idea of this is just a total human sophistry. I mean, wh how does it matter whether you swore by the temple or by the gold in the temple? I mean, you know, this whole idea was just ridiculous. Makes me think of our own excuses not to do things or be, to be able to do things. It's completely ridiculous. Like recently, when we were going out door knocking and we saw people's excuses about, oh, I have this going on, or um, well, I'm, I have a son right now and he's got to be to basketball games or whatever, and so I can't study the Bible right now. And it's just really pathetic excuses. It was just fail. But we make the same kind of excuses all the time. <laughs> Yeah, we can lie to ourselves even. You know, I'm thinking of something. Let me see if I can get this in my head. Um, maybe, maybe this is not quite the same. But, but what we do so often is. We have no respect for our word. We just try to make a certain impression. And so we actually deceive ourselves. I, mean, I, I won't give the details, but I was just talking with somebody recently that was telling me about an event that had happened, he and some other people, and something he hadn't done. He told me why he hadn't done it, because he didn't want to show off. 
You know, he didn't want to look good in front of the people. Well, there were some things about that that made me a little suspicious. So I began to question a little bit more and finally it came out. He really didn't want to look bad in front of the people. <laughs> you know, that's the bottom line. He was, he was afraid he couldn't do it as well as the other people had. He was concerned about some other things that would make him look bad. But he said it like, you know, I didn't do this because I didn't want to, you know, glorify myself. I think it's the lie he told himself. You know, I think that's the line he fed himself so much, that's just what naturally came out. We need to be honest. We need to really tell the truth. And, you know, it's amazing how many ways we can parse something and still think we're honest. And in, we say, you know, something. We've got to just say what's the truth. We commit to something, you know, they shouldn't have to have it in writing, signed in blood before we do it. Other thoughts? Was there anything at all in the old law about I mean, were they got any part of this? Well, um, maybe the idea that, you know, they're to keep their oaths to God or something like that. I mean, that. like the gold of the temple being... Like, I think that's just their is invention. Is that just totally made up? Yeah. Yeah, because the temple's not really anything but the gold in the temple. Now, that's got substance. I think it's just their own reasoning. And it probably came up after they had swore by the temple and didn't want to do it and... Uh, <laughs> and I didn't swear by the gold. Yeah, exactly. I imagine so. Some of these uh, may have been invented uh, at the moment. Spur of the moment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Necessity. Yeah. Some other invention. Yeah. I, I mean, there are vows and oaths in the Old Testament, even God swearing by no one higher than himself because sure. he's God. So it wouldn't have been, it wasn't uncommon to, to make a pledge or, you know, that you're going to do something or even to swear by something, it appears. Um, yes. Yeah, there were several oaths in the Old Testament, there's several in the New Testament, but there's never the idea permitted in the Bible that, well, if you don't word it just right, then you're okay. Yeah, I mean, doesn't even, I guess I've never understood that exactly, swearing by something, but it seems like, you know, Jesus seems to point out, let your word be what it is, but then he also says not, it, is it talking about that same thing? Not swear by the, your, like the hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Like white or black. Change yeah. it or, yeah. So, I mean, that tends to, that kind of gives the idea that, that you do swear by something, you know. By well, I think his point is you just have to tell the truth. You know, you ought to be the kind of person that you don't have to swear by anything to be trustworthy. You ought to let your yes be yes and your no, no. I mean, if you told somebody, you know, I will pay you $100 for this, should you feel more obligated if you say, I swear by God and hope to die that I'll give you $100 for this? Or whatever thing you think you have to do. Yeah, that was something like, you know, it shouldn't make any difference. I mean, 
you said both things. Your word ought, word ought to be good, and it ought not to have to take some kind of an oath to back it up. And our own court system promotes this very idea because unless you're under oath, you can't be charged with perjury. <laughs> you can lie all you want until you get into court and swear to be telling the truth. What does that tell you they think about people? <laughs> They're dishonest. Yeah. And, and, and the hope is maybe swearing they'll tell the truth. I see it as it's at that point that then they can charge them with it if they find out. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, Paul made oaths to God fairly often. You know, I call God as my witness that, which is an oath. So it's not that it's wrong to call God as a witness or to swear by God. But what would be the point if, I mean, I agree it's not wrong, but why would he need feel the need to do that. I think he would do that mostly to reassure people of things they wouldn't have another other way to know. And just to give them more confidence. Same reason God swore by himself. To give more assurance so to the person. Paul but it shouldn't be necessary as far as us keeping our word. So it may it may help somebody else have more assurance. Reason to because of being an apostle and trying to prove I don't think so. I mean, would you be, do you think you would need to do that? Well, I, I don't think it would be wrong, and there might be some situations in which it would help give reassurance to someone to do that. But it shouldn't. But it shouldn't change my sense of obligation to tell the truth. It shouldn't be that I'll tell the truth if I'm swearing to God, but maybe I wouldn't if I wasn't. There should, my yes ought to be yes, and my no, no, swear, no swear, oath, no oath, or whatever. That's the point. So maybe if you were dealing with somebody who didn't know, who didn't know you came from a different background, then you might use that for emphasis. It wouldn't, I agree it doesn't change what you're doing, but your reason for doing it. That. It may give more assurance. I think that's why God swore, to try to give more assurance. Um. Because it may help somebody else feel more confident in your word, even though it won't make you feel but any more obligation. But ideally, they would grow to the point to realize they can make. You ought to be so trustworthy that people who know you well wouldn't think that'd be needed. Right. So if they got to that point, then you wouldn't have to do that. But to get them to that point, you would like to eventually get the reputation that hey, if he says it, you can count on it. You don't need any. You don't need a, anything in writing with him. He'll do what he says. I mean, I have known a few people that I considered very, very honest. That was really a blessing. It helps really a lot to be able to trust them. Because you see over a long period of time, they keep their word. And what they say corresponds to reality. That's the way it always ought to be with us. And sometimes that involves, like, just plain old dependability or, like, responsibility. Like, if you say, oh, I can do that, but you maybe didn't think about the fact that you actually couldn't do that. So if... You have to be a responsible person if you want to be able to keep your word. Yes. Now, I do think we have to keep our words in context. You know, I mean, we may say, well, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll get by next week and do that. And it may be two weeks from now. And we weren't trying to be, you know, precise chronologically. Nobody thought we would. I'm not saying that we have to, 
you know, we may speak of the sunrise, even though technically it isn't the sun that rises. You know, so I'm not saying we have to have some, some level of precision beyond what would be demanded by the context. But we ought to be honest people who, who are, are intending to be honest. It's like when a woman says she'll call you, she means later today. And when a man says he'll call you, he means before he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You would. <laughs> you can quote that to you because mm -hmm. I stole it from somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to say, yeah, like, be technical, just so much as saying, like, be responsible, don't make promises that you know you Ab can't absolutely. keep or whatever, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're going to commit to something, you only need to think about whether or not you can fulfill it before you commit to it. Right. And you know. I know someone who, and I think it was, it was actually the passage in Ecclesiastes talking about vows, and, and, and he kind of, like, took all this and put it together, and... So then, every time you would ask him, um, can you come to dinner, or can you come to whatever, he would say, I will try to be there, and instead of saying, I will be there, because he didn't know whether something might intervene, and he didn't want to promise to be there and then be unable to get there, and thus be considered an oath breaker. It, and, and until people got used to how he was saying it, he, you know, it was yeah. kind of strange. Yeah, some of that stuff, I don't know that it is that that matters, but I do think we ought to be people who, some people just want to please everybody. So they will tell everybody what they want to hear, whether they have any intention. Oh, yeah, I'll do this. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. You know, they couldn't possibly do all the things they said they do, but they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. They don't want to make anybody sad with them. Well, that's irresponsible. You know, you're just making all kinds of commitments you know you can't keep. So. All right, well, my time's up, so we'll stop. But well, thanks for your comments.